Excellent. Thank you, uh, Pastor Brett, and thank you, everybody, for being here this morning. And uh, as was mentioned a moment ago, the, uh, the Cannonball um, Run was a lot of fun. And I want to thank Brendan, who's put a lot of effort into making all of the clues and setting the whole thing up. Those things take hours, but it was certainly uh, worthwhile. So thanks to all those that have been involved. And it really kind of sort of works well with where we're going this morning, because the truth of the matter was, if you were on it yesterday, you got one free phone call. And the reason you had made that phone call was that you were feeling a little bit lost. And uh, the truth is, uh, we can all get lost. Um, I'm not sort of saying that in a negative way, you can all get lost. But uh, I'm sure most of us have experienced being lost. You can get lost in the bush. You can get lost in a foreign city, an unknown place. You can get lost in a car park. Anyone ever been lost in the car park, walking around saying, where did I park my car again? Uh, I'm sure I left it here somewhere. (laughs) Why do you get lost? Well, there are three reasons I think you get lost. I think you get lost because you were given wrong information to start with. Obviously, if that's the case, you're going to get lost. I think you can get lost because you misinterpret the correct information. It told you to turn left at the next turn and you took the one after, whatever. And I think the third reason you get lost, and I think probably the biggest reason you get lost wandering around a car park, is because you were distracted. I wasn't paying attention when I left my car. I was focused on something else. There's a big difference between being lost and getting lost how many know how many know you can get lost with confidence you can be absolutely full of self-assurance about where you're headed and and concerning where you are are and be totally lost you don't really know you're lost more often than not until it's too late to come back but you start off with confidence you start off with self-assurance knowing where you are and knowing where you want to finish up. But somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, things unraveled and went awry. But the point I'm making is that self-assurance and confidence is no insurance or guarantee that you will not get lost. People get lost in so many different domains of life. Um, You all know somebody this is not your own experience, who got lost morally, uh, who started off their life with a particular vision of where they thought they'd end up, but they lost their moral moorings along the way. The boundaries slowly uh, disintegrated and they didn't even notice. They didn't even know what was going on and they find themselves in a place where they never thought they would be. And they would describe themselves as having a history, having a past, when the truth is they were lost. You can get lost uh, relationally, get lost in your marriage. Probably uh, the easiest place to get lost is in relationships and probably the, the, the easiest of those is indeed a marriage. You know, you start off in love. You start off with this vision of the future of joy and of happiness and of oneness and then kids come along and then 
work comes along, mortgages come along, and bills come along, and pressure comes along. And then you find yourself one day wondering who you're crawling into bed with at night. (laughs) Who is this person? What happened to us? I feel like we're lost. Yeah, you can get lost relationally, you can get lost vocationally, you can have a, a career aspiration and finish up nowhere near what you thought you'd be doing in the context of your vocation in relation to life. You can get lost financially. This is a a, a crazy statistic, but it's what they tell us, that 50% of Australians are financially lost. 50%. Um, That is an unbelievable statistic, living in the lucky, prosperous country that we do. And the truth is, of all the domains where you can be lost, uh, financially, you have the least amount of excuses, and I'll explain why I believe that to be the case. It should be straightforward. You know, how many know that morally can be influenced by hormones when you're growing up, you know, or, or I want to do this, and, uh, and all kinds of uh, uh, forces cause you to be morally, uh, morally deviate, say? Uh, relationally, you know, things aren't necessarily always as they seem and it's not hard to get lost relationally. Um, from a vocational perspective, you don't always have control over your employment, right? But from a financial perspective, every dollar that comes in you've earned and you assign it to where it goes. <laughs> of all of them, that is the least Mount of excuse for why we would be lost. And yet, the statistics tell us that 50% of us are lost. Now, as I said, there's a difference between getting lost and being lost. And many people are getting lost and they're not lost yet. So I'm going to give you a list of things that might help you. Because uh, you might be sitting here this morning and go, well, I'm not lost. You might be getting lost. You might not be lost yet. <laughs> And so I'm going to give you a list of things that will help you as signposts to determine whether or not you are getting lost financially. This could be very helpful. This could be the most helpful part of the whole message this morning. But have you ever asked the question, where did the money go? Anyone ever asked that question? And the answer is, where you sent it. <laughs> um, the money didn't get lost. You were the one that was lost. Because <laughs> your money only goes where you determine its direction. But you might be lost. This is not an exhaustive list. But you might be lost if you're spending more money than you're making. If you're living on 105% of your income, you're lost. You're lost if you don't know how much you owe or you don't care how much you owe, you're lost. If you owe more on your car than it's worth, you are lost. If you pay the minimum amount on a credit card debt, you are lost. Somebody gave you a map and they said, here, go out and spend all that money. That's yours to spend and now all you have to pay per month is this and you'll be paying it for the rest of your life. 
someone gave you a map, you read the map, it was the wrong map, you're lost. If you're not saving, you are lost. If you have no method, this is a big one, if you have no method of tracking your spending, you are lost. You think I'm being a little bit intrusive? <laughs> you think this is a bit hard? <laughs> well, I'm going to get a little bit more intrusive, I'm sorry. <laughs> Only because I love you, but you're lost if you're making financial decisions your spouse doesn't know about. You're lost. You're lost if you're making decisions that the tax department doesn't know about. You're lost. You're lost if you have a financial dream but no plan to facilitate that dream, you're lost. Now, you might say, well, I don't have a financial dream. Well, you might not now, but you will one day because there comes a day in life, and I'm not sure the day that it happens, it probably happens different for different people, but there comes a day in life when you stop worrying about how old you are and you start thinking about how many years you have left of employment. And then you'll have a financial dream, and then it's too late. Then you're lost. You might feel financial pressure. You might be under financial pressure. You might say, that's really harsh. And look, I'm going to go hard this morning. All right, I'm setting something up that's going to take us through the next few weeks. And I, want to, I have some very clear objectives that I'm going to explain to you in a moment. But I just need to say this, and this is hard. But financial pressure in Australia is artificial. It's felt, it's not real. Uh, there would be people in the world who would literally give an arm and a leg to trade places with you, literally. They would literally risk life and limb. In fact, they do. They would risk life and limb for the privilege of living the way that you live. I know that's difficult to swallow, and I know that's hard to comprehend, but it's a reality. There was, there are, the majority of people in the world today, if you told them how much you earned a year, they would confuse that for what you would earn over a lifetime. They couldn't comprehend it. Yeah, we create this financial pressure by the world that is around about us, that is for sure, but they would have a party, they would feel like they'd won the lotto if they got a glimpse at your world. And if you find this offensive, that's okay. You can go home and you can have roast pasta for lunch. That's fine. I only ask one thing. I only ask that once you get over your offense, at anything I'm about to say this morning over these next few weeks, I'm going to ask you to review this information and then apply it. Or ask yourself, should you apply it? Because the information that I'm going to give you, I believe, could lead you into a place of freedom. Because I don't believe you can be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and be lost financially. Because he had too much to say about the matter. I don't believe you can hate your brother and be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. You can't do it because the Bible's clear that we've got to forgive one another. And you can't follow after Jesus. You can't follow closely behind Jesus and hold unforgiveness towards your brother. Neither 
in the same vein, can you be lost financially and following Jesus? You can't do it. Because he had more to say about your finances than he had to say about heaven and hell combined. That's how important this subject actually is. You know how important it is because you think about it as often as you do. Jesus made this profound statement in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a profound insight. No other teacher, no other sage has been able to be that clear about, about the connection between who we are, our essence, and our stuff. The intangible. When he talks about uh, your heart, he's not talking about, obviously, the pump that surges your blood through your body. He's talking about the essence of who you are. That part of you that never dies, the eternal. He's referring to the eternal man, the eternal woman. He says, it follows your treasure. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart lies. That's where your attention goes. And how many of you in this room have ever bought shares in a company? And you might not even be sure what the company does. Someone just said, buy shares in this company. And then uh, those three little initials that represent that company, boy, they get your attention when they come across the bottom of the screen. Those three little initials, all of a sudden when you're opening a newspaper and you look for them because they've got your attention because your treasure is there because Jesus made this statement 2,000 years ago. He observed that about you. He said your attention, your heart, the essence of who you are will follow the position of your treasure. It's not a statement of morality. It's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a thing thing. And it's true whether you're a Christian or not, it's true. That's like saying birds fly, fish swim. And your attention, oh by the way, you, the essence of who you are, will follow the position of your treasure. You know your most valuable asset is your attention? Do you know what God wants of you more than anything is your attention? Your most valuable asset is not your time. You've given me your time for these next 30 minutes, 40 minutes or so here this morning, and I'm very appreciative of that. But whether or not I get your attention is another thing. How much attention you pay is another thing. Time is a valuable asset, but time pales, I believe, next to the value of your attention. God wants your attention more than he wants your time. And he's made it clear that your attention inevitably follows your treasure. Jesus is after your attention. Your heart is sacred to him. Jesus never asked anybody for money. On one occasion, he asked someone for a coin. He played with it for a while, then he gave it back. And yet he taught more on it than any other subject. In fact, all, just about all other subjects combined. Why? Because money is a spiritual thing. I'm going to say that again. Money is a spiritual thing. A little bit later, Jesus makes his observation. He says, you cannot serve God and... And how would you answer that? 
If there was a blank, what would you use to fill in the blank? You cannot serve God and money? Mammon? What? I, w- I would have thought you cannot serve God and Satan. I- I'd have said that, wouldn't you? Or, you know, maybe you cannot serve God and the self. Yourself. You either serve God or yourself. But Jesus broke it down to these two binary choices. He said you cannot serve God or money. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The number one competitive for God, with God for your heart is not some... You know, some image of, 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 of a, a, a lust kind of figure. Uh, it's, it's, not some, um, it's not some entity. It's money, according to Jesus himself. The greatest competitor for your heart that God has is money. That's why he spoke about it so often. And when you pursue it, that's why so many people in this area are lost. There is, a, there is a clear link between heart and money. Uh, in, in, in Chronicles 29, 1 Chronicles 29, the Old Testament, it says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Everything is God's. Wealth comes from you. You're the ruler over all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. It all belongs to him anyway. You know, I don't know everybody in the room, obviously. And you might be here today. You might not even be a follower of Jesus Christ. But I can tell you something. I think you probably do. If you lost everything, you'd probably pray. If you woke up tomorrow morning and all your assets had been cancelled and your job had been finished and you had nothing, you would probably say, God, help me. And all I'm simply saying to you is this. Why would you wait till you had nothing to give it all to God when it's all his in the first place? Even if you don't, people who don't describe themselves as Christians, when they have nowhere else to go, we'll turn to God. Well, most of us in this room have somewhere else where we could go. But why not choose to give it all to him? Why not choose to say, God, I give it to you. You know, many people will give their marriage to God because their marriage is in a bit of trouble. You know, God, help me, you know, my wife and my, my, uh, my husband or whatever the situation is, my children. God, I give my kids to you. you know, they're a bit of a mess, God. Help me with my children. If we'll give our marriage to God, if we'll give our children to God, why not every area of our life? I have a very clear objective over these next few weeks. And that objective is, I believe, the result of being found. You can be lost in so many areas of life. You can be lost in this area. I want to give you this morning four experiences that is my prayer that you take away from the end of this series. Four ex- not four things you learn. I don't want you to learn anything, so to speak. Just learn it. 
I want you to experience something in God. And the first experience that I want you to have is I want you to experience the faithfulness of God. Because out of every area of life, this is macabre, and I could personally, I'm sure I could, you know, my wife and I, we could talk about this for hours, the faithfulness of God. The way we've seen the incredible provision of God and the blessing of God in our lives. Opportunities and doors that God has opened up to us in miraculous ways. Provision, and we just think, man, how did that happen? And for some reason or another, and I believe it's because the undeniable link between your stuff and your heart, and God wants your heart, that God shows up in this area of life. I know for many in this room, this, this might be um, a pathway that you've trodden before, and so it's a reminder. For some of us, it's new, this will be uh, new material. Either way, it doesn't matter. I want everybody, and I mean everybody, to be able to have a testimony. To be able to stand up on a platform like this and be able to say, I saw God turn up in this area of my life. There is no other explanation. I know many of you right today could do that. I know many of you have spoken to me about the miracles that you've seen in your own life. And the thing is, once you have an experience, you're not at the mercy of someone with an argument. <laughs> someone might come and argue and say, oh no, that's not right. Once you have an experience, the argument doesn't matter. I, I want you to finish with an experience of the faithfulness of God, where you can see how God wants to show up in the financial domain of your life. And, 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 my, and my prayer is that you see it and, and, it, and it indelibly prints itself upon your heart, number one. Number two, I want you to feel financial freedom. I want you to feel free to do what God wants you to do. Um, Paul wrote in the Corinthians, he said he wanted them to be able to be free to abound under every good work. And Look, the truth is there are people in this room this morning and God's asking you to do things and the reason you're not doing them is because you're financially bound. I want you to have that freedom that if God wants you to go to this place, that you're free to do it. If God wants you to get involved in a particular charity or ministry or whatever, I want you to be able to do it. I want you to have the freedom to do what God wants you to do. And not be bound by, by, by mammon, not be bound by money, not be bound by financial lostness. At the end of this series, I want you to experience, not learn freedom, but experience freedom. Free to do what God wants you to do. I, I, I want you to feel secure. I want you to... Experience his faithfulness, feel his freedom, and also feel a sense of financial security. Proverbs 21.20 says this, And the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but the foolish man devours all he has. Did you see that? 
in the house of wisdom, there is extra. How many know that in our society today, it's all about scarcity, it's all about ruin, it's all about, you know, you spend everything you've got and then go out and after pay some more. You know, just nimble it. Just, you know, you need money, just borrow it. And our consumer debt as a nation has spiralled out of control. Our, uh, our debts, our civic debts, our, our public debts are spiralling out of control. The Bible says in the house of the wise, there's a surplus. <laughs> and and I, I believe that God wants us to walk in wisdom. And the truth is, we as a nation are incredibly financially blessed. I believe we're number one or number two per capita in the world. So you are sitting amongst the wealthiest people in the planet. Did you know that? That is a fact. That's an undeniable fact that we are seated this morning in this room, in this assembly. You might be thinking, why is he talking like this to us? We're poor, we've got nothing. I'm talking, I'm addressing this morning the wealthiest people on the planet. <laughs> and in our stores, there should be extra. You know, the world's now all talking about everything's running out, everything's running dry. There's enough food in the world to feed the whole world's population two and a half times. Don't think God set this world spinning and allowing us to reproduce like we are and, and didn't organise it so that there wouldn't be enough provisions for everybody. There is more than enough for everybody, folks, in this planet, more than enough. It's merely a matter of distribution. It's merely a matter of wisdom. It's merely a matter of... Uh, of organising things in accordance with, I believe, the teachings of Jesus. And that's what we're going to be getting into and digging into. And, and that, that's why I don't want you to miss a week. That, that, that's why I, don't, I want you to understand this. I want nothing from you but everything for you. I don't want anything from you. I want for you. I want you to experience the faithfulness of God. I want you to live with a sense of security that affords you the freedom to do whatever God wants you to do. And if that's what you want for you, then I would lean in and I would listen, maybe take some notes. Because the fourth thing, and <laughs> this is real important, is I want you to feel over these next few weeks, not necessarily just learn, go beyond the, uh, the cerebral into the experiential, on just what's in your head into your heart. I want you to experience contentment. <laughs> I want you to be contented. I want you, ladies, now listen to me, ladies. I want you to be able to visit your sister-in-law's, your auntie's, your friend's house, and see her new kitchen and all of her brand new European appliances. And even the fact that she's got a butler's kitchen... <laughs> even though she doesn't have a butler. <laughs> Just in case a butler turns up, I've got a kitchen for him here ready to go. <laughs> I want you to be able to look at that kitchen. I want you to be able to go, that's fantastic, I love that. And leave with complete contentment 
and not a ping of all oh, I'd like that. Sir, uh, I, 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 for you, I, 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 I'd, I'd love your neighbour to pull up in a brand new SL whatever. <laughs> and you'd be able to have a look at it and sit in the leather trim and push to the buttons. This is amazing. Well, this is fantastic. I'm so happy for you. But I, I don't feel I need it because I have a, a deep sense of contentment. You know, if I could, and I'm not suggesting I can, but if I could have a little button here this morning and I would invite you to push that button and the result of pushing that button is you would feel contentment for the rest of your life with what you have. You might not come and push the button, but you'd be pushing your spouse to come and push the button, wouldn't you? <laughs> right? I mean, this morning you'd have got all the kids up, said, we're going to church, the pastor's got a button, and you're going to be pushing it. Right? You'd want, maybe you don't need to push the button, but you'd want everybody in your world to push that button. <laughs> I don't need that next upgrade. I, don't, I can walk into that shopping centre. I can see those latest fashions. I can go, oh, don't they look fantastic and isn't my, you know, clobber five years out of date. But you know something? I don't feel I need it because I feel contentment. I don't want you to feel like you need to be taller or shorter or skinnier or fatter. I need, how many know I need bigger lips? <laughs> Apparently that's a thing. <laughs> it wasn't a thing in my day. <laughs> and I have to say, it's never been a thing. But anyhow. <laughs> it's a, but apparently it's a thing. I want you to be able to look at the fattest lips and go, I'm happy with my lip, the way they are. <laughs> Let me read to you from Paul, who's expressing his heart to the people at Philippi, where he says this in chapter 4, verse 11. He said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. He says this, for I've learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. Wow. Wow. I've got to tell you, folks, now listen to me. If you learn to be content, don't let that get out of this place or it will bring the economy of our nation to its knees. <laughs> How many know that retailers survive on people being unhappy with what they have, having to update, upgrade, increase, whatever? That's the way it works. But it's not the way it has to work. And um, the reverse of that has led to a nation that feels lost. My prayer for you is, is that you experience freedom and security. You are so secure with what you have that you are free to do whatever God is calling you to do. And the reason you're secure is because you're content with it. You don't look through those wish list things that come in the, in, in, in the newspapers and in the mailboxes and go, oh, if only, if only. No, no, that's not in you. And so... You've experienced the faithfulness of God. I've got one challenge for you today, and then I'm going to finish. One challenge 
that causes all these things to take place. It's a pretty um, kind of uh, uh, unexciting <laughs> challenge, really. It kind of, you go, oh, is that it? Is that the best you can do? Here it is. Let me explain it to you. Here it is. All of that starts with this. Right? You, you, I know some of you are thinking I'm going to say, and you're wrong. All of that, the feeling of security, the feeling of contentment, the freedom, uh, the faithfulness of God, it starts with this one big idea. Are you ready for it? You might want to write this down. If you forget everything else, it starts with this. It's a 13-week challenge. And here it, what it, here it is. Track your spending. <laughs> Oh, seriously? <laughs> Track my spending? That sounds so boring. I thought you were going to... I thought you might have had oil, you know, from olives growing in Jerusalem Valley. And I was going to come out with my wallet. You were going to anoint it with oil. <laughs> and that was going to solve all my financial problems. I thought you might have had some kind of, you know, really kind of, you know, nice, large, spiritual thing. And, and you say... All of those things starts with tracking my spending for the next 13 weeks. Like, are you serious? I am serious. And let me tell you why. You can't follow Jesus. In fact, even shopping centers know you can't follow the directions to find the shop you're looking for until what? You know where you are. Anyone gone to one of those shopping center maps? You know, you've got to find a, a shop you're looking for. And what's the first thing you find out? <laughs> you're lost. What's the first thing you've got to know to get unlost? You've got to know where you are. There's a little sign that says, you are here. How do they know that? <laughs> if you don't know where you are, you're never going to be unlost. <laughs> so it sounds boring, <laughs> But even the shopping centres get it right. It starts by you knowing where you are. It starts by tracking your spending. Wow, I really come to church to learn something today, didn't I? Because eh? here's the thing, right? In relationships, you can say, well, it seems to me, you know, seems to me she's a little bit feisty at the moment. <laughs> seems to me. And that kind of works in relationships. You know, in emotions, and, and it seems to me. But when it comes to finances, you cannot say it seems to me. It, it's clear. You can't say, it seems to me we're spending more than we're earning. You can't say that. You need to track and know exactly where you are. You can't say, oh, but you know, that's all right for you. you know, you're clearly one of those left brain, disciplined type individuals. I'm not. I'm creative. I'm right brain. I'm artsy. You know. no, don't, don't put that kind of discipline on me, thanks. That doesn't, that doesn't fit me. That, I'm not like you. Yeah. You don't say that to your landlord, do you? <laughs> you know? Have to pay the rent every week. You don't put that kind of discipline on me. <laughs> you don't have you know, the, the electricity company hook up the electricity and, and, and say, now you've got to pay your bill on time. No, don't put that on me. <laughs> I pay it when I get to it. You know, I'm, I'm one of those artsy people. <laughs> That's how God's made me. I'm on a right brain. I'm creative. 
Yeah, well, you'll be doing what God's created you to do in the dark and on the street. Because <laughs> he can't work like you've got to move a little bit. You've got, you've, got to, you've got to get a little bit disciplined around this, a little bit focused. Uh, I, in all honesty, you know, this is one of the biggest issues in, in marital breakdowns. And I can't remember the last time my wife and I had a fight about money. I, I can't remember. And do you know why? Because I've got a real bad memory. No, no, no. <laughs> Because when it's marked on the way in, you already know where it's going on the way out. If you've got, if, if, if you planned, there's nothing to fight over. It's already organised. It's organised on the way in. See, most fights are about, well, where it's gone. You know, you did this and you did this. If the decisions are made in advance, there's nothing to fight over. I'm not saying we don't fight. I'm just saying on this issue, we have not fought on this issue for decades. And it's simply because it's organised on the way in. The decisions are made in advance. And so there's no arguments on the way out. The opposite of lost isn't found. The opposite of lost is knowing where I am now. Because if you know where you are now, you can determine a way forward. Our goal over the next few weeks is that you experience the faithfulness of God. That you learn to be content. And that in your life you come from a position of security. You feel secure about what you have and the future is not worrying you because you've experienced the faithfulness of God all these things tying together and that means you're free that means you're free to respond to challenges you're free to respond to opportunities as God leads you and as God directs you you live knowing that freedom let's stand together we're going to pray Father we thank you today for your eternal divine wisdom Lord you've said so much about this subject Father, I pray for us as we journey down this pathway of foundness, the opposite of lostness, that God, you'd take that ancient wisdom, that age distilled and proven ideas, and that, Father, they become not just information in our heads, but experiences in our hearts. Lord, everybody in this room would end up with a testimony of the faithfulness and of the goodness of God. And not one person would miss out on experiencing your grace in this era of their life, I pray in Jesus' name. Why don't we sing together? Thanks, guys. Thank 
Thank you for listening to this podcast.